Hey guys, good morning. It's Pastor Randy here with uh, Made Free Church, um, Servant for Christ, and uh, Tactical Discipleship. Um, what a glorious morning that we get to spend with the Lord. I know, and I want to say Happy Labor Day to everybody. Um, just a few announcements. Um, I'm picking up another day. I'm going to be on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Um, the reason why this is because Pastor Chad um, is on sabbatical. Um, so he's taking some time off to take care of his his family and stuff like that. So I'll be picking up another day, which I'm okay with. You know what I mean? I'm totally, totally cool with. Uh, but I'm also changing my times as well. So guys, I'll be going on at 5.30 in the morning starting Wednesday. So... Oh, yeah, so guys, um, I'll be going about a half hour early. Uh, but happy, happy Labor Day to you all, man. I mean, what a glorious time that we get to go out and witness and be a part of what God's got for us, right? So today we're going to continue our studies in 1 Corinthians. Um, and uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 6.12 and Romans 14, uh, 1 through uh, 15, 13. Um, so... Um, Guys, open up your word to uh, to those, and as we get started, um, let's pray in real quick. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for this time. We just thank you for um, everything that you're doing in our lives, God. We love you. We worship you, Lord. Get me out of the way and and allow your your word to go through, Heavenly Father. We thank you. We worship you. We praise you, in Jesus' name. Well, just a couple announcements before I get started. Uh, so, uh, guys, if you guys need prayer, um, please go to madefreechurch.org. We have a we have a whole intercessory prayer team that prays over your prayer request daily. Um, and uh, so, if you guys need prayer, please, please go uh, to madefreechurch.org in the prayer list. Okay. Um, and let's get started with this. With this, right? All right, here we go. So, um, you know, I'm we're in a series that I'm calling ch uh, uh, challenges that Christians face, and one of the challenges that Christians face. It, let, me, let me turn on some music, man. I, I, I like to have that in the background. So, give me one second here. A little loud. Praise God. All right. Um, and one of the challenges that Christians face is the issue of debatable mat uh, matters. So let's learn about this message that I'm calling de uh, Dealing with Debatable Matters Part 1. We're going to do a three-part series on this, right? Um, because I think that it, I mean, you know, a lot of people say, you know, hey, how can you be a Christian and smoke cigarettes? So it's, these are all debatable matters. Um, and these are what they call non-essentials you know what i mean so um let's get into this man and and, and uh so open up your word to first corinthians 6 12 it says you know all things are lawful for me but not all things are profitable all things are lawful for me but i will not be mastered by anything so you know when the apostle paul said all things are lawful for me what was all things that he was referring to all things uh refers to uh such thing as is the word and i'm going to mess this word up through this whole thing is uh a deophora 
The dea fora uh, refers to things or actions that themselves are neither immoral or moral or neither commanded nor forbidden by scriptures and thus may be permitted to Christians. Paul was saying that with regard to the Adeophora, uh, a Christian is free to do whatever he or she wants. In regard, all things are lawful. Now, as, as I've been looking ahead in our studies uh, in the first letter of, of Paul to the Corinthians, I realized the issues of uh, Adeophora um, comes up several times. So I thought that it might be helpful for us to get a clear understanding exactly what things and how, what things are uh, a deifora and how we can deal with debatable uh, matters. See, the Apostle Paul dealt most most clearly with the issue of debatable matters, matters in his letter to the Romans. And as we look at Romans 14, 1 through 15, uh, uh, 14, 1 and through 15, 13 in order to learn how to deal with debatable matters. And it says this, and this is scripture. Uh, so if you, uh, if you open up your word to Romans 14, 1, and we're going to go through 15, 13, it says, Now, accept one who is weak, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only the one who eats must not view the one who does not eat with contempt and the other and the one who does not eat must not judge the one who eats for god accepted him who are you to judge the servant of another to his own master he stands or falls and he will stand for the lord is able to make him stand one person judges one day above another another regards every day alike each person must be fully convinced in in his own mind he who regards the day regards it for the lord and he who eats eats for the lord for he gives thanks to god and he does not uh and he he who does not eat for the Lord does not eat and give and wait for the Lord he does not eat and give thanks to God for not one of us lives for himself and not one dies for himself um, eight for if we live we live for the Lord if we die we die for the Lord therefore whether we live or die we are the lord's for this is the is the end christ died and lived again and he might be lord both uh both of the dead and the living but you why do you judge your brother or again why do you view your brother with contempt for we will stand before the judgment seat of god for it is written as I live, says the Lord, to me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. So each of you, each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather judge this, not, not to put a stumbling block or offenses before a brother. 
I know, I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is defiled in itself, but for him who considers anything to be defiled, to him it is defiled. For it, before if because of food your brother is grieved, you no longer are walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what is what is for you a good thing to be slandered. For the kingdom of God not uh, is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who in uh, he he who is in this way serves Christ is pleasing to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue the things which for peace and building up one another. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but every evil for man who eats and gives offense. It is good not to eat, it, it, it is good not to eat meat or drink wine. Or do anything by which your brother stumbles. In faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Blessed is he who does not judge himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he, uh, his eating is not of faith. And whatever is not of faith is sin. Now. We who are strong ought to bear the weakness of those without strength and just not please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his building up. For even Christ did not please himself, but it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in the earlier times was written for our instruction so that through the perseverance and the encouragement of scriptures we might have hope. Now may the God of perseverance and encouragement grant you to be the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus so that, so that with one accord you might be Crap, I can barely see. So that with one accord you might, uh, that you may with one voice glorify God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, the hope of the Jews and Gentiles. Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accept us to the glory of God. For I say that Christ has become a servant of the circumcisions on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the uh, promises given to the fathers. Uh, to confirm the promises given to the fathers and for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy as it is written, therefore I will give praise to you among the Gentiles and I will sing your name. Again, and again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, 
all you Gentiles and let all peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says, there shall come the root of Jesse and he who rises to rule over the Gentiles in him, the Gentiles hope. Now, may the God of hope fill you with the joy and peace in believing so that you will bound in hope and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's pretty amazing. Got a comment. Boom. Do it unto the Lord. Early bird. Boom. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, all right. So, you know, in Romans uh, chapter 12 and 13, he laid the, the, the emphasis on the, the primacy of love. Whether loving your enemies, 12, 9, 14, and 17, or loving your neighbors, 13, 8. In, a Roman, in Romans 14, Paul supplied a, length, a lengthy example of what it means in practice to walking in love. It concerns the relationship between two groups, the weak and the strong. Now, note that Paul is not talking about weakness of character or weakness of faith, right? Um, as for one who is weak in faith, 14.1a, uh, we are to picture a Christian who is sensitive and scrupulous, right? Paul is addressing the vital issue of essentials and not essentials in this passage. Paul insists that from the gospel's perspective, questions of diet and days are not essential, right? And then um, there is uh, there is uh, there is a similar um, for uh, 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 discernment today. We must not elevate non-essentials, especially issues of custom and ceremony, to the level of essentials to make them test of orthodoxy and conditions for fellowship. Nor must we marginalize the fundamental theological or moral questions as if they only were cultural and of no great importance. Paul distinguishes between these things, and so should we. But what is not essential? And, you know, Paul does not uh, insist that everybody agree with him, right? As we did in the early chapters of his letters uh, regarding the way of salvation. No, the Roman issues were, were called dialogism, right? In, in 14.1, um, or opinions in the ESV, or disputable matters in the NIV right on which it was not necessarily for all Christians to agree the 16th century reformers <clears throat> called such things um, it's called a, a, a diaphora matters of indifference right whether as here they were customs and ceremonies and or secondary beliefs that are not a part of the gospel in either case, they are matters on which Scripture does not clearly pronounce, right? In these and other issues, right, the problem is how we handle the differences in matters of on which Scripture is either silent or seemingly unequivocal in such a way as to prevent them from dis dis uh, disrupting the Christian fellowship. 
Let me suggest a list of items that may constitute as debatable matters in our day. Giving and receiving wedding rings, which was hotly contested by the Puritans in the 17th century. Wearing jewelry, using makeup, consumption of alcohol, smoking cigarettes, or vaping. Well, vaping, I just threw that in there because it's part, it's, it's debatable. Right? Uh, mode of baptism, immersion, or sprinkling. Uh, some aspects of the Old Testament uh, fulfillment of prophecy. View of eschatologies. There's three biblical views out there, guys. Right? Attending movies, watching television. Aspects of the Sabbath and observance, such as work, play, or worship. Right? Eating food in the church building. Letting children participate in Halloween, which I do not agree with. Halloween, October 31st, is Reformation Day. We're to observe Reformation Day. I don't believe in, in, in uh, uh, observing Halloween. School choices, public, private, or homeschooling. Mixed swimming, playing cards, gambling or for recreation, buy insurance, dancing, wearing pants for women, right? Using, the, using a Bible other than the King James Version. There's a lot of King James uh, only people out there that just only use the King James, right? It's a debatable item. You mean? Um, playing guitars in church. Men wearing their their hair uh, over their ears, etc. The list can go on and on and on. There's probably, you know, a thousand more debatable things in there. With that as an introduction, let's look at Paul's mention in Romans of the dealing with debatable manners, right? Paul lays down a fundamental principle of welcome, especially the welcome of the weak, which undergirds the whole discussion in verse 1. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. See, the, the fundamental principles is in two parts. It is positive. As for the one who's uh, weak of faith, welcome him. There is no attempt to disguise or conceal what these brothers and sisters are. They are weak in faith, here meaning conviction, immature, untaught, and as Paul is unfolding the argument makes clear, actually mistaken. Yet, on that account, they are not to be ignored, reproached, or at, at this stage, corrected, but rather received into fellowship. The Greek word uh, for welcome is proslambano, or ano, right? I can never do the Greek words, but I try. Um, it means to welcome another into the fellowship and into one's heart. It implies warmth and kindness and genuine love. We need to, to, to bear this in mind when we consider what we are to welcome, that we are to welcome the weak, right? For in 14.3, has God welcomed him? And to welcome one another as Christ welcomed us in 15.7. And having reflected on the principle of welcome, we need to note that it is qualified, but quarrel, 
but not to quarrel over opinions. See, a lot of people that are coming in new, have they're either coming from a different church or they're coming in from the street or whatever it may be, right? That they're going to have different views than us. Just like the Armenians, Armenians have different views from the Calvinists, but they're both scriptural, right? They're both scriptural. You know what I mean? So it's, you know, there's some things that I don't agree with Calvinism. There's the things that I don't agree with uh, uh, the Armenian uh, uh, theology or doctrine, right? Um, but it's all biblical, right? You know what I mean? So the Greek word quarrel, uh, diacrisius, means to, uh, can mean discussions, debates, quarrels, judgments. And the Greek word opinions is called dialogism, right? Uh, can mean opinions, scruples, or anxious internal debates of conscience, stuff like that. Well, Paul is saying that that we must receive the weak person with warm and genuine welcome without debate over misgivings or scruples or not for the purpose of getting into quarrels about opinions. See, everybody can have their own opinion, right? But we have to look at scripture so when we welcome someone into fellowship and we do that and they're a baby Christian, we're not to correct, we're not to do, but if they're mature, then we've we've then I believe that we have to instruct. We have to do that in love. And a lot of pastors out there, uh I, I know I know I know a few pastors out there that doesn't correct in love. You know what I mean? Doesn't correct in love, but I know Pastor Dave and a few other pastors that, that I, I deal with, they correct in love. You know what I mean? So it's very, very, very important that we do that. In other words, we are not to turn the church into a debating chamber whose chief characteristic is argument. Still, less into the law of court in which weak persons are to be put in the dock, interrogated and arraigned, right? So the welcome that we give them must include respect of their opinions. Now, having laid down the fundamental principle of welcome, especially welcome of the weak, which undergirds the whole discussion, Paul now develops three negative deductions or consequences that follow the fundamental principles. First, he gave a, a negative deduction to this in, in, in 14.2 to 14.2 uh, to uh, 14. Do not, it's 12, by the way. Uh, do not despise or condemn a weak person. This is fleshed out in Romans, you know, uh, 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 in Romans uh, 14. Uh, two through thirteen a. First, we're to we're to we're to welcome him because God welcomed him. Paul chooses the dietary question as his first illustration of how the weak and the strong in faith should behave towards one another. Right. First, uh, well, not first, but one of the one person believes that he may eat anything. It is his freedom in Christ, having liberated him from unnecessary scruples about food, while the weak person only eats vegetables. This is probably not because he's a vegetarian on principle or for health reasons, 
But because the foolproof way of ensuring that he never eats non-kosher, non-kosher, non-kosher meat is uh, not to eat any meat at all. Excuse me, I'm hiccuping. Right? Now, how are Christians to regard one another? Right? Let not one who eats meat, that's is the strong, despise the one who abstains, who is the weak on account of his of his scruples. And let not one who abstains, the weak, pass judgment on the one who eats, that is the strong, on account of his liberty. See, it, it's not clear uh, why the strong is, the, for, is forbidden to despise on the weak or the weak pass judgment on the strong. Perhaps it's, it's, it is that whereas the strong might be tempted to pity the weakness of the weak and the weak might regard the strong who have abandoned Israel's time-honored traditions of having committed apostasy, therefore deserving con- condemnation. Whether this is correct or not, the reason both the despising and passing judgment of fellow Christians is wrong is that God has welcomed him, right? How dare we reject the person whom God has welcomed? How dare we do that? The best way to uh, way to determine what attitude uh, to other people should be is to determine what God's attitude to them is, right? The principle is that it is better even, it's better than the golden rule, right? It, the golden rule is to, it, it is it is safe to treat others as we would like to be treated, right? But it is safer still to treat them as God does. See, the, the former is a ready-made guide based on the, our fallen self-centeredness, while the latter is a standard based on God's perfection. Let me re-say that again. The former is a ready-made guide based on our fallen self-centeredness, while the latter is the standard based on God's perfection. And second, we're to welcome him because Christ died and rose to be the Lord. If it is inappropriate to reject somebody whom God has welcomed, it is least as inappropriate to interfere with the relationship between the master and his child, or it, it's called oketis, which is his household slaves. You are to pass judgment on another, uh, on another servant of another. You know, Paul's asking a question here, right? In an ordinary uh, life, such behavior would regard as outrageous and would be deeply resented. Just so we have no business to come between a fellow Christian and Christ. To absurd Christ's position in his life, it's therefore it's it is before his own master that he stands or falls, for he is not responsible to us, nor are we responsible for him. And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand in 144b. That's the that's latter part of, of, of four, uh, verse 4. Now, Paul develops a second illustration of the relationship between the strong and the weak, and it concerns the observance of non-observance of special days 
presuming uh, Jewish festivals, whether feast or fast, whether weekly, monthly, or, or annually, right? And he begins by describing the alternatives without comment. One person, the weak, esteems one day as better than the other, while the other, the strong, esteems all days alike. The strong does not distinguish between days any more than he does between foods, right? But Paul is not encouraging mindless behavior, nor is he friendly to examine traditions, right? But he's assuming that such uh, that each weak or strong has reflected on the issues and has reached a firm decision. He will be reckoned in his practice to part of his Christian discipleship. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. 14.6a. It's the beginning of the verse. So when I say A, B, or C, we're looking at the beginning, the middle, or and the end. Sometimes A and B are the beginning and the end, but you know, you'll you'll get it. If you've watched me long enough, you'll get it. Anyway, and, and the same is true of anyone who guards every day alike through Paul does not mention him in verse six. Instead, he reverts to the question of eating. And in doing so adds an important double principle, which is related to thanksgiving. The one who eats, eats in the honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. Whether one is an eater or abstainer, the same principle applies. If we are able to receive something from God with thanksgiving as a gift to us, then we cannot afford it back as we can offer it back as our service to him. Right. There are two the, the two movements from from him to us and us to him. Right. Belong together that are vital aspects of our Christian discipleship. Now, I'm going to say this about Christian discipleship. If you're not being discipled. You need to be. You need to find somebody to sit under and be discipled, right? Both are valuable practices, uh, practices, uh, practical tests. Can I thank God for this? Can I do this unto the Lord? That's what you need to be asking yourselves. Can I thank God for this? Can I do this unto the Lord? This introduction of the Lord into our lives applies in every situation. For none of us live for himself and none of us die to himself. You know, um, on the contrary, for if, that is, while we live, we live to the Lord. And as if we die, right, we die unto the Lord, right? So whether we live or die, we are the Lord's, right? We are the Lord's. We're His. Life and death seem to be taken as uh, constituting together the sum of, a, of, of our total human being. While we're, why we continue to live on this earth, and and when through death we begin to live life in heaven, everything we have and are belongs to the Lord Jesus, and we must be, we must live in honor and glorify God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is why is this? Paul gives an answer to this, right? 
in 14.9. For to this end Christ died and lived again that he might be both of the dead and the living, right? It, it's it's wonderful it's it's wonderful that the apostle lifts up a very mundane question um, of our mutual relationship between Christian community to the to a high theological level of death resurrection and the consequence of of the universal lordship of Jesus because he is our Lord and we must live for him right because he is also Lord of our fellow Christians, we must respect their relationship with him and mind our own business for he died and rose to be their Lord too. And third, welcome him because he is your brother and, or your, your sister. After writing about his, uh, about the strong and the weak, the observance of, of, of observers and abstainers, the living and the dead, all in rather a general and personal terms, Paul suddenly poses two straight questions which he sets over against each other, you and your brother. Why does why does why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why did you despise your brother? Judging and despising fellow Christians in the same two verbs uh, used in verse three, right, are both shown to be totally uh, anomalous attitudes. Why? Um, not only because God has welcomed them, but because Christ died and risen to be their common Lord. But also because they and we are related to one another in the strongest possible way by family ties. Whether you're thinking, whether we're, we're thinking, whether, whether we are thinking of the weak with all the, the, the tedious doubts and fears or the strong with their brash assurances and freedoms, they are brothers and sisters in the Lord. We, when we remember this, our attitude to them becomes, becomes at once less critical and impatient and more generous and tender. And fourth, we welcome him or her because we stand before God's judgment seat. There is an obvious link between uh, uh, our not judging our brother in 1410a and having to stand before the judgment seat of God in 14, uh, 1410b. We should not judge because we're going to be judged. There seems to be an allusion to the word of Jesus, right? Do not judge or you know, or you will be judged in Matthew 7, 1. What kind of judging was Jesus referring to? He, he, was, he was not forbidding criticism or uh, telling us to suspend our critical faculties. Um, if we did that, you know, we, we, we would not be able to obey, not being able to obey one of his next instructions, namely, watch out for false prophets in, 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 in Matthew 7, 15. No, what is prohibited to the followers of Jesus is not criticism, but censorousness, judging in the sense of passing judgment or despising, right? And, and the other reason is to give, given is that 
we ourselves one day appear before the judge. In other words, we have no warrant to climb on a bench, place our fellow human beings in the, you know, in, in the dock or in, in the court and start pronouncing judgment and passing a sentence because God alone is the judge and we are not, right? As we will be forcibly reminded when the roles are reversed. In order to confirm this, you know, Paul quotes Isaiah 45, 23. As if, as I live, says the Lord, right? Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. So this is an extraordinary formula that occurs before several other prophetic oracles and not in this text, right? The emphasis is on the universal uh, universality of God's jurisdiction, right? In that every knee and everyone will pay homage to him. So when Paul continues in the light of scripture, each of us individually, not all of us in a mass, but will give account of himself and not other people, but to God. Therefore, <coughs> because God is the judge and we're among the judged, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer. 1413a. I mean, this is important, guys. You know what I mean? Four theological truths. Then undergirds Paul's admonition to welcome the weak and neither despise nor condemn them. They concern God, Christ, them, and ourselves. First, God accepted them, right? Second, Christ died and rose to be their Lord, both theirs and ours. Third, theirs, they're our brothers and sisters, so that we are members of the same family. And fourth, all of us will stand before God in judgment. Any one of these truths should be enough to sanctify our relationships and the four other and the four together leaves us without excuse and they are still two more to come you know we shouldn't really be passing judgment on our brothers and sisters that are weak right because they don't know any better they probably come from a cult or they probably came from the world with not having the understanding of what scripture is because they haven't really studied. They haven't really got into scripture, right? So we have to understand that today. We have to understand that there's more when somebody new comes in of, you know, what their struggles are and, and, and allow the, allow the Lord to do his will in their lives to change the mind and the attitudes and the doubts and fears and 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 everything else right that's that's what it's for we're supposed to be living as first corinthians 13 says in love so you know um guys man i hope you guys are loving this man i know i am anyway so um we're going to end with that, right? And uh, just a couple couple more announcements before uh, 
we we close out in prayer guys if you'd like to support made free church in any way shape or form we are a 501c3 nonprofit church so all your your donations are tax deductible go to madefreechurch.com or .org excuse me and go to the giving tab and there's three ways to give you can give through our cash app you can give through our paypal link or you can send a check or money order to the address that's provided and we have a uh, check out our new discipleship ministry that we have. It's called Tactical Discipleship. You can find that at tacticaldisciplership.org. Um, you know, we're looking for disciples, men and women, and we're also looking for people to disciple. Doesn't matter where you are, you know, uh, we'll, we'll give you the tools to disciple, and we would love to disciple men and women. Men for men and women for women. That's the way it goes. Men do disciple women. And if you guys like to check out my personal website and blog site, you can go to servantforchrist.com. That's servantforchrist.com. And guys, go ahead and check out our friends at 120 Army. That's 120army.com. They just launched a new 120 Army app. You can find that on your uh, uh, iPhone or Android. So go download that and get involved with the 20. Uh, the, the 120 Army. There are bros. We love Aaron and, and Jose. So get involved. And guys, please check out our podcast, Made Free Church, Reform Pastor. That's me. Um, on all the platforms. It's on Apple iTunes, CastBox. Uh, you know, it's they're everywhere. So go check it out, Made Free Church or Reform Pastor. And guys, thank you for watching. Thank you for being here. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord. We love you. We worship you and we praise you, Lord. Bless this rest of the day for everyone who has watched and everyone who's going to watch later. We love you. We worship you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a great day. God bless. We'll see you on Wednesday.